This is DCUFM Newswire. Everyone and welcome back to Newswire. Hi everyone and welcome back to Newswire. I'm Kira Olofen and I'm joined today by Anya Boyle and Dara Brown. Kira Olofen and I'm joined today by Alison Condon and Anya Zowers. On today's show, Mary Ryan talks to striking nurses from St. James's Hospital. On today's show, we will be reporting on the Save Our Shepherd campaign and the rise of party drug use among students. On today's show, a DC student from Belfast describes her worries if a hard border is implemented. We will also be giving a rundown on our final two presidential candidates. And finally, a lowdown on DCU's Refugee Week. It's DCUFM News. In 2016, DCU officially became the first Irish University of Sanctuary, offering 15 academic scholarships to refugees and asylum seekers. Shepherd, Shepherd Micaiah is a second-year recipient of this scholarship. He's studying management and of information technology and information systems. Officially from Zimbabwe, he was tortured by political groups there for refusing to join them. Having fled the country, he has been living in Ireland for nine years now. Shepherd was recently issued a deportation order originally for Sunday the 21st of October. Since the news broke, there has been a petition circulating with over 13,000 signatures now and a demonstration outside the Department of Justice on Friday the 19th of October. He fled because his life was in danger. He fled because he was tortured. He fled just before his best friend was murdered. So we're here getting ready to go protesting in town um, as a demonstration to save our shepherd. Shepherd is a second year engineering student who's in DCU on the um, sanctuary program, um, which is a scholarship to refugees. And he was issued with um, a deportation order at the start of this academic year. Um, and it, it's for Sunday, so today is our last day to get our point across that we want to keep him here and that we think it's unjust. Only in September, he received the news that our government believes that he should be forced back to where he was tortured, to where his life is in danger. Everything he's done to develop himself as a person and develop those around him is in danger of being taken away. We are demanding that Minister Flanagan revokes the order. We need to save our shepherd. Keep him here in our society, in his society. Thank you very much everyone for coming. Thank you for the support. Thank you for signing the petitions and I hope the minister will um, see how much people want uh, me to be in the country and also how much you people are happy to have me in the country. I really thank you for coming and I thank everyone not here, everyone who signed petitions around the country, in all schools, and some people that are not in schools. Thank you. Shepard Machaya, a second-year University of Sanctuary student here in DCU, has had his deportation order extended until March 21st. The Zimbabwe native was initially issued with a deportation order in September. However, it was extended until the 5th of February after the Save Our Shepherd campaign proved a success. However, the fight is not over yet. We are joined today by Vito Maloney-Burke, the DCU Student Union President, who kick-started this campaign. So, hi Vito, thank you so much for joining us on Newswire. Thanks, Billy, for having me. Cheers. Um, so, Shepherd has been given an extended six weeks. Mm-hmm. So, what is the next step for the Students' Union and what are you going to do to ensure that the deportation order be banished? 
the last few months have been quite frustrating because I think um, the powers that be in, in the, the department um, have been very slow in getting back to us or, or in some cases not got back to us at all when we've put forward certain cases alongside this Shepherd solicitor who's really, really fantastic um, has been a great acquisition uh, for the whole case. Um, so I think it was act- it's actually a really good timing, this uh, extension now with the next six weeks because... Uh, the solicitor alongside another barrister, um, the two of them have put together uh, basically an argument as to how the department have carried out everything in a completely wrong manner um, since this kind of case began and uh, why everything needs to be re-evaluated, everything needs to be rethunk um, and basically the deportation order should be revoked. Um, alongside that, there's been a worsening situation in Zimbabwe. It's been all over the news in, in recent weeks. Um, a lot of people would have seen it from over this side of the water. Um, so the document also detailed um, kind of exactly why he can't go back to that situation. Okay. Having read that document myself, I can't see how any sane person wouldn't give the whole case a rethink. I'm here today outside the main entrance of James' Street Hospital, where nurses, midwives and their supporters have gathered to protest poor working conditions and unfair pay for staff and student nurses. There was plenty of support from passers-by, as I stopped to ask those striking what exactly had made them come out today. Um for our patient safety and for fair pay and a pay restoration. And what are the sort of conditions that you're kind of protesting against here today? Um, Understaffing and the understaffing leads to danger for patients because they don't get the care they deserve and the care we want to give to them. I'm out here in St James Hospital today picketing for pay parity to my fellow nurses and also for extra nurses in the departments I am I will I'm 45 years nursing I'm retiring on Friday and I'm still here to support my junior nurses and the students of today going forward I have over 30 years of nursing and I've seen lots of changes uh, some good and some stagnant and sadly we've lost so much of a generation of our own trained nurses as well so we're embracing multiculturalism, which is brilliant, but we've lost so many of our own people who've gone away and sadly won't come back because of uh, migration. So we're trying to, for my protest, it's for the next generation of nurses and for the people of Ireland, because we have to stand up for the huge changes that are ahead, that are coming our way. And we need to protect people, the Irish people need to be protected in our hospitals. At the moment, a patient ratio should be one to four, which means one nurse to four. Uh, patients but at the moment it's what one to ten and um, it's very hard as a student I think to to learn in this environment when you can see the under pressure that all the nurses are under and stuff like that and yeah so we're just here to give a hand and I suppose try to change it we're, we're out here because it's got to the point of crisis <laughs> no going back that we work under are the same conditions that our patients are cared for under and it's just not it's not equal to the task anymore it, it just isn't and all our nurse, young nurses have gone you know they're, they're gone it's absolutely embarrassing leo should be absolutely embarrassed so basically we're striking we're still supernumerary at the moment so we came out on our day off to help all the nurses across ireland today just for patient safety the hospital's a bit of a joke at the moment they're understaffed, underpaid for the amount of work they do, hours they put in. 
nursing's not like like a nor a normal job. Um, like you are supposed to leave the ward at half eight at night. You're in there at half seven. You can't just walk away from your patient at half eight at night. Um, I just think it's ridiculous how we're being treated at the moment, and we're just underappreciated. Basically, I am a nurse who has been qualified for um, just over a year now, and I'm speaking from my own experience. But uh, one night I was working for two nights actually, two night shifts, two 12 hour night shifts. And one of my colleagues had um, rang in sick. So it was only just two of us taking care of 34 patients that night for 12 hours. And the nurse who was with me that night was also just a newly qualified nurse and she was only qualified for one month. We've been looked down upon for like so long and I just think that like they don't really, they don't know what goes on in the wards and um, they think that we're, we're okay and they think that you know the staffing levels are okay when it's not and I feel like you know like there's so much assumption because like they, they're, done, they're not on the wards the people who are making these, these decisions aren't on the wards so it's so easy for them to say so th there is a real problem there's a big big problem and that's why we're out here today to show them that you know we're nurses and we should be respected and we need more of us out there um, in the wards, in the hospitals. We should not be out here today, but we have no choice anymore because they don't, they just don't listen to us. So this is our last stand, basically. That's why we're out here. At about 20 to 3, the protest was interrupted by Jundalk brothers Charles and Andrew Henry, who performed their viral song in solidarity of the nurses. Got it. Mary Ryan reporting from James's Hospital. Aramark is a private catering company that has been contracted by the Government of Ireland to run three direct provision centres across the country. Last year they received 5.5 million euro in funding. Recently, the University of Limerick decided to boycott Aramark-run catering companies on campus after a mother in direct provision, who's also a UL student, was refused food for her sick child. Shortly after, Aramark flyers entitled The Facts began appearing on UL campus defending the company. I spoke to UL student Clodagh Guerin, whose article for onfuckle.ie, the student paper in UL, received national attention sanctuary status there last year and there are, an, are a, number, a, a number of students who who came to UL who live in direct provision at this time and in the news recently there was a case of a woman who was denied food and milk for her baby and she is a current UL student and it made national news and that's a direct provision centre that's close to Limerick is called Mount Trenchard but that lady is a UL student and basically we're boycotting Aramark because students don't feel comfortable sponsoring that kind of mistreatment and that kind of behaviour and if we can't support our own students then who can we support really so by boycotting Aramark we it's making it's the, it's a, it's a different it's a tangible difference that UL students can make and it's just a small solid act of solidarity for these people for these students 
DCU's Accounting and Finance Society have been banned from all social activities during semester one after asking first-year students to perform a series of tasks in order to be elected first-year rep at their EGM. The EGM lasted for three hours and there was alcohol being consumed. One boy got drunk and fell off a table while stripping. I asked DCU students whether they agreed or disagreed with the Accounting and Finance Society being suspended from all semester one activities. Um, I think they should have been more kind of honest about what happened. They probably should have addressed it, like kind of when it happened and recognised it was really inappropriate, but maybe not for the whole semester. From the sounds, from what I, I've heard, yeah, it sounds like that was just, you know, you have to respect the individual. It doesn't sound like they were, so yeah. Absolutely, again, um, I do think it was like an abuse of power because ANF is and has always been since even I started um, one of the biggest societies in DCU, one of the most influential, one of the more kind of, dare I say, cool societies to be a part of, um, most flamboyant in clubs and socks. And I think they definitely took advantage of people who they knew were eager to join and be a part of the committee and who ultimately just wanted to make a difference. And I think it was absolutely disgusting what they did. In, uh, I definitely think that the issue should should have been addressed like it has been addressed but I do agree with it being addressed but to be completely suspended for a whole semester I don't really agree with I saw the stuff that happened and I was just kind of like a bit shocked to be honest it's probably right considering like what they did like what can't understand why they thought it would be a good idea in the first place like it was never going to end well so yeah probably right yeah I think they're completely right to suspend them from all social activity I think the whole society should be put into question of what they do. Uh, I think it was a bit of crack and I think all of the news outlets have completely blown it out of proportion. Um, It was a bit of a laugh that got maybe a little bit out of hand, but what they're reporting on is completely false. It's ridiculous. Everyone consented to it. You didn't have to do anything that you didn't want to. Uh, Personally, I do think they should be suspended. Um, This isn't just kind of an isolated incident. they have kind of been known for being kind of outlandish, I suppose. Um, so I think it's probably time that something should have been done about it. Um, but yeah, it's probably good to see. It will also give kind of, I suppose, a fright to any other societies that might be up to anything like that. And I suppose just at the end of the day, it's just common sense that if you kind of break rules within kind of the clubs and societies regulations, that you get punished for it. I don't think uh, one semester suspension from social activities is actually sufficient at all for the extremity and, and kind of just how absolutely outrageous the behaviour was at their EGM. I think there should be like a much more serious, serious dealing with it and also the, the involvement of certain um, SU sabbaticals who uh, were present at the EGM and did nothing to stop it or to intervene. I think they should really be questioned and they should probably apologise and make a statement and maybe should get involved in further training on consent and sexual education because if they think it's an acceptable event to attend without intervening, um, they clearly do need to be further educated. I think that's the case for a lot of, for the students in general and especially for people involved in the ANF Society and their committee. Welcome. You are listening to Newswire's SU Election Special 2019. Hello and welcome back to Newswire. I'm Aoife O'Brien and I'm joined today by Ashling Fagan, Keen Conroy and Cindy Luna Chen, who are all running for DCU Student Union's 
Vice President for Welfare and Equality. So, Ashling, you said that you would like to look into the feasibility of stocking PREO and PEP in the campus pharmacy in order to reduce the stigma around HIV. Mm-hmm. However, as far as I'm aware, PERP is not available through the HSE in Ireland at the moment, and its generic counterpart is only available on foot of a doctor's prescription at a price of €1,440 a year. How feasible do you think this strategy is for students? Um, So this year I've kind of worked quite closely with um, Robbie Lawler, who's a a big HIV advocate. A lot of people might have seen him on the late, late two weeks ago. He's doing his PhD in DCU. um, And he is very um, vocal in kind of changing that culture that surrounds HIV, especially in Ireland. Um, It's been such a taboo subject like since everyone can remember people still are a bit like the relationship between HIV and AIDS people still don't really know um so I think the fact that the conversation is even being had about HIV is fantastic and um instilling a culture of getting tested and, and like that's with STI checks and with HIV it would be a massive massive aim because again that's another thing that just isn't really talked about and it's so 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 important um I'm so kind of the aim that HIV Ireland have been kind of promoting is getting tested every three months. Um, so that's why I had the rapid HIV testing in as well, because bringing that to people rather than them, them having to go and seek it out is fantastic. And as well, like with having the free STI tests in the in the health centre is a big kind of a big promotion for people to actually go and do it. Um, and then the feasibility of PrEP and PEP, like again, that was why I said look into the feasibility of it. Um, there are, I know a lot of students who are taking it and who have got prescriptions because they want to, <laughs> essentially, because it's it's how we reach zero in Ireland. This is what the conversation is about. So having it there at their doorstep in, on the campus pharmacy would be fantastic. Um, it may not be feasible, but looking into it, um, and we have a very close relationship with the pharmacy and with the health centre in DCU, and with organisations like HIV Ireland as well. So um, promoting that culture of getting tested and then hopefully having it right there for people when they do need it. Um, there, there, there could be a financial strength there, um, constraint even. Um, so that, that could be an issue, but it, having it available and having the opportunity there um, would be key. If it was a case that you were able to kind of source prep that it was going to be available in the pharmacy, currently that sells at 400 euro a month Hmm. would there be any way do you think that the SU would be able to bring down that price would there be negotiations what do you think would be able to happen there there absolutely could be like it's it's always it's always an an option and think like we've been paying we've been paying for the SDI tests all year so like that's the union's money that pays for the tests so they're that they're free for students we we want everyone to be safe we want people to have these opportunities um so we that is absolutely something that can be looked into 100% fantastic the use of psychoactive drugs in ireland among the 15 to 24 year age group is the highest in europe mdma has jumped significantly in recent years with a total of 4.4 percent of young irish adults reporting to have used the drug in the last year compared to a reported 2.6 percent in 2007 Students for Sensible Drug Policy, also known as the SSDP, is an international non-profit education organisation. I spoke to Declan Moore, chairperson of the SSDP Society in DCU, about the rise of drug use amongst Irish students and what him and his society are trying to do to combat this issue. So, um, SSDP, we neither condone or condemn uh, drug use 
but um, what we want people to do is be realistic about the fact that drugs are an integral aspect of society and that you know those who use them are people and they should be treated as such and that worldwide at the moment there's uh, huge issues um, surrounding how society deals with drug users uh, mostly as a criminal issue we'd rather see it um, rightfully dealt with as a medical and mental health issue I think that a combination of distribution of reagent test kits which would be the small single-use test kits that we have available here but also a supervised testing um, facility where people can on amnesty bring substances drop them off in a box uh, label what they were sold as and then um, a much more rigorous form of testing in a, in a cleaner lab facility would be done and then those results posted on social media so that people are aware if a certain color or shape of, of pill is being sold at a festival of what the breakdown should be again various batches what exactly is the kit um so the kit itself uh, wouldn't typically be done on behalf of the service user um, what we try to facilitate is distribution of these kits. The kits have uh, serious limitations, but they are better than nothing. Okay. So uh, currently there's there's sort of a gray area around the legal status of somebody approaching me, um, me distributing test kits and wanting me to test the drugs for them because I become in possession okay, of the drugs yeah. within that context. The better solution would be to have both test kits that people can distribute themselves among their friends, um, or come and buy for a small fee at the festival as well as a large tent where there would be a chemical testing centre in it and usually that in cases where that exists it's accompanied by some type of law enforcement presence who have given amnesty for people to come there's a bin they'll drop drugs okay. in them uh, no names completely anonymous say if these tests were available in nightclubs and they weren't accurate then that that would be another problem like someone would still get sick from it someone would still do that but you're saying that they're like if they're just being distributed not by the actual organization it won't be the legality won't be held on them well even, e even being distributed by an actual uh, authorized organization should be okay provided you um, make people aware um, how to use them and that the use does not guarantee their safety taking okay. drugs is still dangerous if you yeah. buy cocaine and you test it and it turns out it is cocaine cocaine is still a dangerous substance to take we still have to just have disclaimers there that you know taking drugs is, is dangerous the only way to be safe is to not take them but people take them anyways here is a way to be safer okay. doing it. and would you worry at all that um, using these kits and you know i know you're not you know promoting drug use at all but do you think maybe people who don't do drugs would say oh well if i can test them another safe maybe i will would that worry you at all um i mean i i haven't seen evidence to suggest that's the case um in an awful lot of uh, investigations into other harm reduction methods the addition of harm reduction doesn't tend to increase the amount of use so okay. I mean yes if I did hear that the distribution of test kits suddenly spiked the, the number of people using uh, illicit drugs that would be concerning but I don't really have much reason to believe that's that would actually be the case on Friday 16th November 
DCU students were issued with an email at approximately 2 o'clock stating that normal activities on the DCU Glasnevin campus would be disrupted. The reason for this email being issued was that a simulated terrorist attack would be taking place on the Glasnevin campus. Over 50 people from external agencies, such as first responders, were involved in the simulation, which was led by the Gardaí and partially organised by DCU's Chief Operations Officer, Dr Declan Rafferty. The exercise was based on 18 months training, starting with desktop scenarios and building gradually on the sort of large-scale inter-agency joint exercise and staged with the help of DCU. Despite there never having been an event in Ireland comparable to the terrorist outrages in Europe or mass shootings in the US, the Gardaí feel that they have a high degree of experience in this matter. And I interviewed Dr Declan Rafferty, DCU's Chief Operations Officer. So Declan, would you be able to tell me a little bit about why this terrorist, um, fake terrorist attack was staged in DCU? So it was a major training exercise for the emergency service, what they termed Operation Barracuda. Uh, we have a long relationship with the emergency services. We have a master's in emergency management that started over 11 years ago. So a lot of the graduates of that course are now in senior positions in the emergency service. So mm-hmm. there's very good links and very good working relationship with all the emergency services. So we were asked, would we consider facilitating a major exercise all the emergency services and said we welcome the opportunity to help them out. They're, they're good to us operationally mm-hmm. as well as academically and everything else. So it feeds into what we do operationally in education. So why was DCU chosen as a prime location to stage this? I'm not sure, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I suspect they were looking for a a semi-public place that was a a real living uh, building or campus so that they could practice the challenges that a a complex uh, built environment would would pose with many students and public members in attendance if if, if an actual event ever did happen. So they tried to make it as real as possible. So what kind of groups were involved in running this operation? So mainly it was the security team of the estates that were doing the liaison with the Gardaí as the lead agency, but all the other emergency services, so the ambulance, the HSE, Dublin Fire Brigade, the Army, um, were all involved, so all the major emergency services, and just allowed us to close off a section of the campus so that mm-hmm. they could carry out the, the, the exercise safely. Um, and we also use the exercise as an opportunity to test in a, it's called a desktop environment, to test our emergency planning. Mm-hmm. Um, so we used it ourselves to, to test our own systems. So did the operation, was it considered a success in the end? My understanding is that the emergency service are very satisfied with, with the operation. The exercise went very well. They learned a lot from it and that's the whole idea of these exercises, to fine-tune their plans, how they respond, and how they coordinate the response across many agencies. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I think there's a further debriefing due shortly, but my understanding is they were very happy the way it went. They tried to recreate exact conditions on, on a dark Friday winter's mm-hmm. night with the resources that would be normally available uh, and put a major terrorist incident mm-hmm. on the ground and see how they reacted. Owen Murphy, the Minister for Housing, has announced that tougher regulations will come in from June 2019 for landlords letting rooms on the website Airbnb. According to the Minister, between 1,000 and 3,000 homes in the Greater Dublin area could come back into the long-term rental market. This could free up housing for students in Dublin, who over the past few years have found it increasingly difficult to find accommodation, not to mention affordable accommodation. Last April, Dublin City University students held multiple protests as part of a campaign called Chanel and Shakedown, 
students were furious that the privately owned Shinoan Square student accommodation was charging just under €9,000 for a single room in a shared apartment for nine months. The reason why we're here is because people are trying to charge €9,000 for nine months of a lease. It's a complete disgrace. No way! We won't pay! No way! We won't pay! We are now joined by Colm O'Halloran, Vice President for the Dublin Region of the Union of Students in Ireland. Hi Colm, thank you so much for joining us on Newswire today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to go on here. <laughs> no problem at all. Um, so Owen Murphy recently announced that there's going to be some stricter laws for Airbnb and the listings um, and that will come into force in June 2019. So do you think this will have a positive effect on uh, students and the housing crisis in general? Yeah, of course. I, I think it's it's some welcome news. Uh, but we're not getting our hopes up just yet, uh, is the honest answer. Uh, it's, we're welcoming of it, but we are concerned. And a few of the concerns are uh, the government has been consistently saying they're going to introduce legislation and introduce regulation around Airbnb. Um, and it's something that for the past two months, I've seen an article about every two weeks it's just worrying that the government's kind of putting out so much announcement and then very little to do it. And the other concern is that this is only going to come into effect in June 2019, uh, which is about seven months away. And we are very much in a housing crisis right now. And I understand that these things take time, but at the same time, this has been an issue that has been dominating the airwaves, that Airbnb has been drawing private properties away from the rental market and kind of added to the housing crisis. Um, we're welcome of it, and it, it'll be. We're hoping it'll be work when it comes in. But there's also questions of whether the legislation will even work, how it'll be enforced. Uh, because, for example, rent caps are also um, there are legislation around rent caps uh, in Dublin and around Ireland. Uh, but some of the legislation just isn't enforced. So, so again, we'd like to see it work. We're just not entirely sure will it, if it'll 100 work. You know. Okay, and. Um... Owen Murphy said that like, if, if this co- does come in, there'll be between 1,000 and 3,000 homes open up in Dublin. Do you even think, is that enough? And, and would people even be open up to opening up their homes to students after having them done for short lets? I think in terms of is it enough? Uh, no, it's not. Uh, 3,000 beds uh, is not enough for the student housing crisis, let alone the, the national housing crisis. Yeah. Uh, there's about a 21,000 bed shortage in the student housing crisis. Um, and what the government has been doing is to build more student residences, but not a lot more. A lot of these student residences aren't even really affordable for the average student. Um, and similar, the concern with Airbnb is that if these properties go back into the rental market, that instead of them being affordable student accommodation, instead of them being a student able to see an Airbnb property return to the rental market, that'll just be out of their own budget. Uh, And that's that's the kind of worry. So we are, it is good that there are more beds returning to private rental markets, but the private rental market as it is, is students are being squeezed out of it, you know. Yeah, I suppose there wasn't really any mention of of if this accommodation would even be affordable and if it it actually would be in students' budgets. Yeah, exactly. And I think what really needs to happen in terms of the housing crisis is instead of, expensive luxury student accommodations instead of students having to shell out so much money in terms of housing apartments in the private rental market uh, 
the government should really invest in colleges and give money to colleges to build their own student residences that are affordable. Right, well, um, I think that's all we have time for this week. Okay, so thank you all for tuning in to Newswire today. I'm Aoife O'Brien. Thank you all for tuning in to Newswire today. I'm Anya O'Boyle. I'm Dara Brown. And I'm Kira Lachlan. Remember, you can always keep up to date with us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at DCUMPS News. Um, we also go live again on Monday at 6pm. Thanks for listening. This, this is DCUFM News. DCUFM.